Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. I'll never forget it when Liam Gallagher comes up because Liam Gallagher wrote me says, Rod, this one's for you, mate. <laughs> Fit forever. Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. The Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Katie McCabe, a huge, huge goal. Very proud of the team's performance. We're going to go out there to beat them. We're going to try and beat them. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Koi Gig Podcast. I am your host, Kathy McNamee, and this week I am joined by Emma Carroll to go through a little bit of all the things that are happening with the Ireland squad ahead of their game against Albania this Friday and then over in Albania again the following Tuesday. Uh, as we all know, Emma Byrne is otherwise busy and Karen clearly must be too busy off celebrating her successes as of the last while. Uh, we will have our normal team of the week with Emma. And then later on, we will also be joined by Goals women's football correspondent, Amy Rushkai, to go through all the WSL action from the weekend. So a little bit of a treat for all you pod listeners, because Amy is one of the best in the business when it comes to these things, covering the league week in, week out. But um, Emma, how are you doing this fine Monday? It's not at all dreary outside. No, it's just getting dark early, isn't it? Finding I'm having to put on more lights in here. <laughs> well, you always have a pretty good setup in there. I feel like you have like the purple light and everything. It gives it a nice little theme, whereas I'm just here sitting in my living room, which definitely doesn't look as thematic as your background. So I may need to work on that at some stage. I'm sure producer Catherine is sitting there nodding her head if I could only see her in the Zoom. <laughs> um <laughs> Emma, we had the team today. Oh, yeah, she just messaged me. Yes, so uh, that's a little behind the scenes for all you listeners. But um, we had the team meeting up today for the first time. Some of the players won't be coming in until a little bit later on in the week, just with the way seasons are falling. Obviously, Arsenal only had their last game yesterday. Some of the US players as well were playing in the NWSL um playoffs over the weekend not good news for Denise O'Sullivan they were losing to Gotham but good news for Kira Caruso they had a very positive result um, it seems like everyone in this team is in really good form at the moment no matter whether it's for their club or their country yeah I would have said that up until yesterday um, but let's just hope it was a bit of a mishap um, a bad day at the office um, for the goalkeeping but um yeah, everybody seems to be flying it, thankfully. Goals galore as well um, in the championship and the WSL, so we'll take it. And everybody seems happy, so that's the best best thing about it. <laughs> yeah, that is the one thing that has definitely been noticeable. And I don't know, it's a, you know, we've talked a lot about the coaching situation, but I also don't know if it's possibly the pressure is off a little bit now in that, you know, the first tournament is out of the way. We performed the way we did. There was obviously a review done. The games we're playing now, yes, they're important because we have to, you know, compete well in them so that we do qualify for the Euros and we get into League B or League A rather than staying in League B. But also our opposition is a lot lower down than us by and large. So it's given us the opportunity to play a little bit more freer. Yeah, a bit more attacking as well as what, what we see in the formations are a lot more um a lot more going forward like they're you are seeing Katie in that forward position that we want to see her in um, and Denise as well so I'm excited to see a double header against Albania I'm always like unsure of how 
double headers go because you're playing the same team so close together. But I thinking and hoping we know so little about Albania that we're hoping that it's going to be similar results to the last window. Yeah, I was trying to do some research on them over the weekend. And apart from the games that they've played recently in our group, it's quite difficult to find a lot of information about them. Now, that's not to say, like, I was chatting to a few of the players today and they had a media event before they went into the first training session. And, you know, they were saying, like, yes, we're aware that we're probably the most experienced team in the group, but also we're not taking any game for granted, like, I know Northern Ireland didn't play particularly well against us, but they do still have that feather in a cap in their cap of making it to a major tournament before us. So I'm beating the team that we couldn't manage to beat as well to add a cherry on top. So it's nice to hear that even though the team know they're in a good place, they're not taking anything for granted either. No, I think they're realistic in who their opponents are though as well, you know, um, and that if they get to group A, then that's re- where the real tests begin. Um, and hopefully we will get to that group A because they're the types of teams that we need to be playing so that we can keep on improving and keep going to the next tournaments and how vital the Nations League actually is for us to be able to qualify for the next tournament. So I think sometimes people can be a bit disillusioned and make them seem like they're friendlies, but they're certainly not friendlies. They're certainly important fixtures for us. Yeah, that was one thing that all the players were very keen to emphasize today was that, you know, whenever they were talking about the game, they were like, these are not friendlies. These are important for the future of Irish football. Um, I thought it was interesting. You'll see these interviews if you're listening in across the next couple of days on Off the Ball. And some of them were held for a couple of days. And that's just like normal thing that happens in the media whenever you do a big bunch of interviews in one go. Um, so there'll be interviews coming up with Abby Larkin, Izzy Atkinson went out today, and um, was also chatting to Jamie Finn. It's the first time she chatted to the media since she was left out. And I thought she was particularly interesting. So definitely keep an eye out for that one in terms of how she dealt with the disappointment and what she wants fans in particular to know now. It's funny, I was saying to her, I was like, you know, she... Beyond Katie McCabe, I feel like every time I go to an Ireland match, the most amount of jerseys I see are Jamie Finn jerseys. And I always get tagged in people that are like, oh, we love Jamie Finn. She's the best player in the team. She seems to have this like cult following for a player who's definitely been highly involved in the qualification process. And a lot of people are mad when she didn't make that World Cup squad. But for the level she's playing at a club level, it's interesting that she has such a big following. Yeah, but it helps that you have a chance, doesn't it, as well, at your club, you know? Big Quinn, mm. Little Pin, Jamie Finn. It's just like, it's catchy. I We need to kind of figure out how we get Lily Ag into that uh, rhyme as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, I suppose, like from her League of Ireland days as well, you know, she she has a big following, like playing for Shells and stuff, is a big club with a lot of fans and they're very much of that one club mentality at Shelbourne. So um, a lot of local Northsiders, I think, like to see her do well. Mm. Yeah, no, they definitely do. And it's always great to see people catch, like certain players catching their attention because that's how people keep coming back to games. Like they'll definitely keep coming back for specific for the team as a whole, but having those specific players, I think is almost as important because, you know, that's that's who people grow up to be like, oh, I want to be like them. Um, so is it too soon to mention Katie McCabe scoring bangers or? <laughs> Never too soon. <laughs> one with her right foot as well. That's the, the one that um, I've been going around saying all day. She scored with her right foot. Like that's 
people that I don't think realise <laughs> how little she actually scores with her right foot. So. Yeah, she seems to be hitting a rich vein of form again, which obviously is very good news for Arsenal, but also very good news for Ireland fans because I think we saw her hit the heights that she did last season, get the Ballon d'Or nomination that it's being announced next Monday, I believe. But it seems likely from everything that I've read that that's going to be Aitana Bonmati, but it'll still be interesting to see yeah. where she comes in the voting for that. Um, But she is definitely hitting that form in a way that, you know, we we hope she would this season and carry on from the World Cup, I suppose. Yeah, um, she got played a match two weeks in a row, I think, is it? Or at least twice out of four games this season. If it's not two weeks in a row, it was the second game and, the, and yesterday's game. Um, yeah, and all the pundits, you just hear them going, she's the person at the moment that Arsenal are relying on to get them out of this hole. She's the one that grabs things by the scruff of the neck and really gets those results. We've seen it with the, the late equaliser against Aston Villa last week and again getting um, getting the winner yesterday. She's probably the sort of player that Arsenal need this season to drag them through, but we'll talk a little bit more about that with Amy in a bit. For now, we are going to move on to our team of the week. Now, Emma, another team of the week. I'm very excited. Who have you got for us this week? Um, okay. Kiara Keaton in goal. A back. I went for kind of actually a very traditional team this week, 4-4-2. Um, CJ Bott and Sophie Howard, the Leicester duo. Um, Megan Connolly and Izzy Atkinson, the Irish duo. And then a midfield four of, I don't know how to say her name properly, Jade Riviere. Yeah. Maybe I'm making it too fancy. Um, Grace Clinton, Nushkan, I'm just going to say her second name. Katie McCabe and then a front two of Nikita Paris and Marsh Thomas. I really enjoyed this team because I feel like... There's a lot of players in there who have performed particularly well in the start of the season and maybe filled in holes that we didn't expect them to. Um, Like you have Nikita Paris there. Her stats from the weekend were insane. Obviously, she got the goal, but she also, you know, had most fouls created in terms of like people fouling her, not her fouling (laughs) other people. We should probably make that clear. She assisted the goals, got the two goals, created more chances one more fouls and more tackles and more aerial duels than anyone else in the team. Like that's pretty impressive, especially for a player who's, I don't want to say struggled for a few years, but kind of been out in the ether a little bit. Yeah, I think she generally performs so when she does play. And that's the thing. It's always a weird question that why Mark Skinner doesn't play her more and why he didn't start her in the Champions League when she has so much Champions League experience was a bit strange. But um, yeah, getting the, the two goals, two assists, Rosalind possibly could have done better for uh, both the goals, really, probably. Um, but no, her overall performance, she definitely deserves to be in there. And then, like, Marta Thomas, who left United and seems to be just thriving at Spurs. Like, you thought when Beth England had to go get that operation and that she wasn't going to be playing, that Spurs would really struggle. But Marta Thomas has just stepped up and got a hat-trick and three great goals as well, like... Well, that was actually going to be the next person that I pulled out because she is the only person that I basically saw anyone talking about over my timeline this weekend, specifically for the reasons that you're saying, you know, she has stepped into that hole that Beth England has left. Be really interested when she comes back, how they work that and how they team up together. If they like are able to create a partnership there, that's like, a, I don't know, a Sankar, Frank Kirby-esque one where they're kind of, you yeah. know, 
helping each other, but also scoring lots. I think she's currently top of the Golden Boot race. Yeah, six, six goals. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, really happy for her, and be very interested to see. We'll talk a little bit more with Amy about this later, but how she, um manages to sustain that and how Spurs manage to sustain that. Because we've seen them make these good starts before, excuse me, and then peter off a little bit. Yeah, but there seems to be, I don't know, there's a slight different aura about them as Mm -hmm. well. I think, you know, Simana, Grace Clinton as well in midfield after getting her first England call up as well um, had a great game at the weekend. So um, you've got Ashley Neville as well at the back. So and they seem to finally have decided on a goalkeeper and they're not changing their goalkeeper every week, um, which is maybe a we good thing. <laughs> who knew? Um, who knew whether to have a, a standing standard goalkeeper is a good thing. Um, but yeah, definitely having Spencer in goal week in, week out. And Drew Spence as well in midfield. She's like, her experience is like va- invaluable and some of her like strikes is out of this world as well. I think already sports could be in with, like if you take McCabe out of the equation with a couple of goals in a season or goals in a month. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, really impressive performance from them overall the weekend. Izzy Atkinson back on the pitch doing great things for West Ham, which we love to see. Yeah, only came on, got about a half an hour, but I think she turned the game around for West Ham. Um, unfortunately for me, um, when you want to see Irish players doing well and they tend to show up against That's Liverpool, had a pain last week. Izzy Atkinson, yeah, um, but she definitely she came on with about a half an hour or so to go, and she definitely turned it around. She had a few chances herself at goal. I don't think she got credited with the assist, but she should have been, or you know, she definitely had a lot to do in the build up to that goal. And then she again straight after that, she could have actually scored a winner. So she was alive and there was a spark. So. I've had a few question marks about her when I seen her in person against France and she just looked a bit over depth, but definitely seems to be gained, like, have gained a lot of experience from that World Cup and getting more game time at West Ham can only like do the world good for her. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. She was talking today about how, you know, she feels that she's been kind of constricted to that super sub role and that's how people view her. And she's like, obviously I'm happy to do whatever the team requires of me, but also I want to be starting at West Ham. I want to be starting in Ireland. And it's, it's a difficult one when your competition is Katie McCabe, but we kind of put it to her. Do you think that because of the opposition we're playing in this nation's league, that'll like allow Katie to move a little bit further up and you'll be able to come in and kind of take that, left wing back position offer or like play on the wings a little bit more and she was like yeah no I I think I can see that happening so it'll be interesting to see if that does come true or if she was just kind of like voicing it (laughs) you can get them both in the team Um, I just did so it's fine (laughs) Eileen Gleeson if you're listening (laughs) Emma Byrne is definitely not listening because she never does (laughs) (laughs) I know she does listen to us she likes us Connelly in as well yeah, um, two really fun centre back, um, centre forward battles this weekend was Megan Connolly against Russo and Sophie Howard against Bunny Shaw. I really enjoyed them because they seem to be, you no, know, you're just that's your player, and like mm. it's not often you see that these days where they just go one on one marking and let the battle commence. Um, and I thought it was brilliant. Um, Megan Connolly made a couple of goal line clearances as well. 
Yeah, uh, Katie could have had a hat trick if it wasn't for Megan um getting one of the goal line clearances. So, so rude. excellent game. <laughs> excellent game. Um yeah, yeah. So the very similar reasons why Sophie Howard and Megan Connolly is in there. Although both their teams lost, they probably could have lost a lot more had the defense not acted a bit better. Because Leicester in the first half, their defense was awful. And they whatever um Willie Kirk said at halftime. They came out in the second half and were just tightened up and were brilliant. Mm. Well, Emma, thank you once again for watching all those games. Very much appreciated uh, as per usual. I like that there's a bit of a trend this year of, you know, it's not consistently all like Chelsea and City players or like Chelsea and Arsenal players. Do you think there's been a bit more of a spread across the league in terms of how people are performing? Like has the World Cup have any impact on that? Maybe it is the World Cup. I don't like, I just don't think Chelsea have been amazing to watch yet. Mm. City have been pretty good. Arsenal haven't been great either. Like Nushkin for Chelsea was brilliant. She only got the two goals in the end. Um, one of them was credited as an OG and um, could have had a hat trick and an assist. Um, yeah, and again, Keaton in goal for Man City as well. And after getting an uh, England call up, like, and no Ellie Roebuck on the bench either, which is a strange one um, to see what's happening with her. Um, but yeah, I think the league has definitely stepped up. And then I was expecting a lot more Aston Villa players to be in my teams this year. But I think a lot of people. Were. I don't know what has happened there. Um, yeah, I think the rest of the team. Maybe it is a World Cup impact. Maybe after Christmas we'll see a bit different. A lot of players coming back from injuries as well. Various clubs, especially Arsenal. So it's going to be interesting to see how they have an effect because that medium pass within thirty seconds of coming on was incredible. And Bet Mead could have had the goal <laughs> yeah I'm not getting my hopes up too much just yet I'm like I've been heartbroken too many times Emma thank you very much we will see you next week thank you now I'm very pleased to say that we have a special guest this week since our regular two co-hosts um, are off doing busy and important things we are joined by goals Amy Rushkai Emma, Amy thank you so much for joining us and stepping in to I want to say some big shoes, but uh, I also think that considering how much you follow the WSL, you may be the most expert person that we have had on the show. Well, I thought you were just scraping the barrel because, you know, nobody else was available. No, no, <laughs> not at all. I promise there wasn't a long list before you. Um, it was an interesting weekend on another, a couple of different fronts. Like normally I do this podcast and I kind of like pick out a couple of features that I'm like, okay, these are things that we can talk about. They were interesting. But it seemed like across the board this weekend, nearly every single match had some interesting talking point to it. Yeah, it was a really good weekend, especially when you kind of looked at the fixtures, I guess, on paper. If you were a bit of a cynic, you'd be like, oh, you know, there's there's not much going on this weekend. But it turned out to be a really good weekend of football, and you know, which is no complaints here at all. <laughs> yes, we'll take all the good football that we can get. Um, I'm going to start with Spurs and Aston Villa because I don't know how you felt about Aston Villa before the season, but I feel like a lot of people were saying this could be their kind of breakthrough season. It could be a moment for them to really cement themselves as a challenger in the WSL. And they're now suffered their fourth straight defeat, 4-2 to Tottenham at the weekend, which we can talk about Martha Thomas and her general brilliance in a second but um yeah what what have you made of them so far this season 
Yeah, I felt I was at the I was at Villa Park on the opening weekend, and I I felt sorry for them because they were so so close to getting you know a, a point um, from a difficult position with ten players on the pitch, um, and it was just kind of like that seeing out the game, and then the the Arsenal game as well, seeing out the game, and just kind of killer blows right in stoppage time that you know must do a lot for your confidence as well. So I think. Last season, they were absolutely outstanding. And, you know, in some ways, it was going to be difficult to match that. I thought they made good signings. And I don't think that by any means they're going to have, you know, a season where they continue losing every game. Like, I think that we will see them kind of come back up. And I think just to have a nice international break now might be good for just resetting and getting over a difficult start. But, no, I think there's... I mean, it's a really quality squad. And I think that they will come back. And, you know, I think... Breaking into that top four, like everybody speaks about, is, as Man United proved, a really, really, really difficult thing to do. But I think that they can get back to, you know, decent, comfortable position in the league. They've just got such a good squad, a great goal scorer and a good coach. So I think um, over time they'll they'll get back to where they need to be. Do you think it's that kind of daily-dally link-up that they're missing a little bit? Because they have signed quite well. We saw even last season they signed quite well. Like or is it the new players coming in? They've maybe just lost their rhythm a little bit. Like what? Is, what are you putting it down to that they haven't really performed how people would expect? Well, I think Dali was outstanding last season, so you're always going to miss somebody like her. But you know, you've still got like Kirsty Hansen's there putting some great service in, and I just think you know they had a tough start. The fixtures were difficult um, as well. I think to lose the way they did on the opening weekend was a must have really kind of been like a, a punch to the gut. Um, and, you know, it's quite an open league this year. I think that there's a lot of sort of surprise teams. You know, we'll talk about Spurs later. Um, but there's been some, you know, kind of results that you wouldn't predict. And I guess that that comes into it as well because Villa have been on the end of some of those. Um, but, yeah, I think that, like I said, I think they've signed good players. They obviously kept the consistency by keeping Patton and keeping Hansen. Like Ebony Salmon's come back to the league and players like that. So I think that they will kind of stick gel together. And I like I think it's a good point that Dali is a, a big miss, but I still think there's enough players there and you've got a goal scorer in Daly and Salmon as well to chip in with goals that like I say, I think that they'll be able to get back to where they need to be. And then to flip the coin and look at Spurs, pretty good start to the season for them. We have seen them do this though before where they have a really good start to the season and then it just peters off and I think a lot of people would have thought going into this season that you know missing Beth England for those first couple of months was going to be really difficult for them then you get Martha Thomas coming through she's currently leading the race for a golden boot and is like really performing well so what have Tottenham done to change their fortunes? I think they're just creating chances I mean if you watched them last season I remember when they signed Beth England I was very skeptical because not because I didn't rate Beth England, because I really do, but I just thought, well, it's great having a striker up front, but you're going to have to have somebody to... Service. Yeah, create. And a lot, you know, some of the goals she scored last season, like the goal against Man United when she ran from the halfway line on her own, there was a worldy goal she scored in midweek. I think it was Leicester, like right from the wing. Goals she was kind of creating off her own back. She did get some service as well, don't get me wrong, but, you know, she was creating quite a lot of her own opportunities and... Martha Thomas coming in, if you, you know, if you create opportunities for her, she'll score goals. And I think that, you know, she's done brilliant to kind of step up to the plate with Beth England out. And I'm really interested to see what happens when Beth England comes back, 
whether they can play together, whether they, you know, I think it'd be a waste if you're going to push Thomas away from where she's doing so well. But I just think that they're creating so much more and it's it's quite a turnaround because if you look, when I saw the results in pre-season, they didn't score a single goal in pre-season. Mm. And so I was like, well, obviously not seeing the pre-season games being on the other side of the world and then taking a little bit of a break, but... Like, How dare you take a break, Amy? It's shocking. <laughs> but it was kind of like, oh, you know, maybe this is going to be the problem, not creating chances, but fair play to them because there are a lot of good players in that team. And last season it was kind of like, you know, if they can just get everything together, they can be a good team. And, you know, they're doing really well. Yeah, like I think I saw a stat over the weekend that they had just over half the amount of possession, but they had 18 shots and 11 of those were on target, which is, you know, pretty good return for that little possession and also that many shots to have like more than half of them on target, any team would be quite happy with that. Do you think it is sustainable what we've seen? Like Emma was kind of saying when we were doing our team of the week there, we were talking about Martha Thomas and she was like, she felt like there was a steadiness about this team that maybe hasn't been there before. Yeah. And I think when you think about the fact that they've got Beth England to come back in. So, you know, you're throwing in a whole load more goals. Like, um, and I think it'll just be nice if they can continue this momentum and get into a comfortable position. Obviously, it's a new manager, so you know things could drop off a little bit and things like that, but I think if they can get into a nice, comfortable position where the manager can continue to implement what he wants to implement, kind of like Everton last season, we're in that kind of comfortable place the whole season, so Brian Sorensen could mess around and kind of experiment a little bit and do this and that and the other. Then that'd be a great place for them to be in. Just keep riding this wave, get into a great position. And then if things do tail off a little bit, so be it. Like they'll probably be in a comfortable enough position by that point that it's all good and they can just keep working and building on what the manager wants to bring in. Mm. Looking at another team that has been a bit of a surprise factor this season is Leicester. 1-0 against Man City, who have probably been the best team and the most consistent team in the league so far. Were you surprised with how the team lined up, Leicester, that is, whenever you saw it at the weekend? Well, I think that Willie Kirk's like just a good manager. Like He knows what it is to kind of get points in this league and... um you know, the job he did last season was absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, I know a lot of people were kind of like, well, can you do that again? But I think that they're well coached. You know, everybody knows their role. And, you know, they know how to get at teams. Like, when they played Man United last weekend, I thought they were really impressive, the way that they just kind of made Manchester United uncomfortable. And I don't think that they'll roll over for anybody this season. I think that it'll be a development from last season I think that they can be a little bit more comfortable but I just yeah I think they're a well-coached team that you know really kind of knows where to put people to get results and then the plan is clear for the players to go out and execute it and you know they you don't want to say oh they did a great job losing 1-0 but you know they made it difficult for Man City and when you're coming up against a team on the kind of role that City are on that's all you can do really sometimes. I think that was the main game, apart from the Arsenal one, which was obviously a bit nervy as someone who supports Arsenal, that it was the main game of the weekend that had me on the edge of my seat because there were a couple of moments where you were like, ooh, this could go either way. And I, going into it, I had been really impressed with Leicester, but I kind of felt like with the form that City were in and the fact that they were banging in goals, that if they got the one, several more might come, especially if it came early. And then obviously the goal did come early. And that didn't happen at all. Like they didn't lose their heads in the way that maybe we saw Villa did or Everton did in some of the other games. Yeah. And I think that's a 
just again a testament to what Willie Kirk's kind of done. And I think that he kind of instills a confidence in the players. And just again, in terms of the way they set up, it's not like you kind of lose faith in what you're doing because you know what he does does bring results. And yeah, I I think that I think that they're going to continue to be a really difficult team to beat. And you know they've already shown that twice against two really really good teams this season. Mm. And then in terms of Man City, what would you think about like what the recipe for their success is? Because like we've talked a lot about it on the podcast and Emma Byrne has worked with like quite a lot of the City players, especially the Spanish ones and knows them quite well. And she would say, you know, I feel like this is the first time in several seasons that the squad's actually been settled. You know, like Jill Rurd was the only player that came in. So everyone kind of knows what they're doing. And I think a lot of people have been saying, why didn't Gareth Taylor do this earlier? Because it would have, I feel like it would have benefited them because the chain, the squad hasn't really changed all that much. No, and I can't, I can only paraphrase because I can't remember exactly, but a point last season, um, there was a question put to him in the presser that was kind of about all the change because they'd obviously had so much change last season. They lost Kira Walsh quite close. This, well, once the season had already started for them, you know, had to get new players in through the door quite late and so on. And it was all a little bit chaotic. Um, but they've always had really good transfer windows. When you look at it on paper, they've always signed good players. And he said something along the lines of all the, like the Arsenal, Man United and Chelsea are all going to have to have one of these chaotic windows at some point in the next few years. Like everybody's going to have to have that some sort of change, you know, whether it's players, you know, just it's their time to move on or their tr- contracts come up or, or whatever it might be. And theirs was last season. And so he was like, you know, we'll see over time if this benefits us having it this season as opposed to them not. And, you know, they. I just thought when they signed the one player, I thought, well, that's exactly what he was talking about. Like they got the settled squad if you watch them in the second half of last season, there were points where I genuinely thought, God, they could actually come out of nowhere and win this league because they mm-hmm. had a big run of fixtures. They had like uh, Chelsea at home, which they won. I think they had Arsenal at home. They had like a run where they had to play all the kind of title contenders. And the way they were playing, because it had all clicked, because it was kind of March, April time, they looked unbeatable. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, as we know, that thought was completely wrong and they did get beat. But you could see it there that they were kind of clicking and they looked really, really dangerous because they've got such a good squad. And I think that we're kind of seeing that now from the off. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they look absolutely on fire. I think with last season, if they hadn't started so slowly and maybe if they'd just been able to extend that run a little bit more, which I know sounds really basic, but I do think it was the start of the season in the end that undid them because you could see that click happening as you said would they be your favorites at the moment for the I know it's very very early days to be saying these sort of things or do you think Chelsea are still at that level where they'll they'll grind the gears and they'll get there and it'll be ugly and we probably won't enjoy watching it but they will manage to do it I mean that could happen but I do think when I was going into the season I saw a few people say City and a few people be like have you seen so-and-so has said City and I'm like yeah I think I would as well just mm. for that lack of change and also the Champions League factor, the fact that the last two seasons they had that kind of, I guess you'd say annoying Champions League thing where get players back late for major tournament, either give them rest or give them no rest and play them in this Champions League fixture and then you, you kind of, they were set off on a bad foot from each season like you just said, like that slow start last season, like they've not had that, they've kind of come into the season just fresh like completely settled squad and just hit the ground running. Mm. 
a team who has not exactly hit the ground running, but had a good result at the weekend, Manchester United, 5-0 against Everton. You talked about Sorensen and the fact that they had that little bit of comfort last season. Not so much at the moment. They're 10th and they've had three defeats in their opening four games. I really didn't expect United to put the shots past. I guess there must have been a bit of a bounce from the Champions League during the week. And I suppose... There was all the comments as well that Skinner made that kind of made the headlines. And maybe in some ways that took the pressure off the players because everyone was talking about what he was saying and how other managers were reacting to what he was saying rather than the result that had actually happened. Yeah, I think they've got quite a lot of depth this year as well. So they've been able to kind of rotate between that Champions League game and the league games and stuff. And, you know, it was a difficult week for them, to be fair, because, you know, Champions League elimination, Gabby George did her, was confirmed as having done her ACL, and they had three players out, Leah Golton, JC, and uh, Hayley Ladd, with illness. So they could have easily not won this game. And I think, you know, it's especially after the, the Leicester draw, which was disappointing, like, they did really well to kind of come in and just, they just, Second half especially, everything just hit the back of the net. It was one of those days where you could feel that it must have been a quite a relief for them because, like I say, it was a tough week, but they have had that kind of rotation of players that they've been able to at least dig into um, with so many absentees as well. Mm, you wrote a piece um, for goal about Nikita Paris, which everyone should go read. It's very interesting. Um, obviously, she got the two goals. She was assist. She it was kind of interesting because your piece was basically looking at you know her England hopes and where she can get in. And just when you were listing off the players, you know that she's probably competing with you know Rachel Daly, Lauren Hemp, Chloe Kelly, Alessia Russo, Lauren James, Jess Park. I mean, it made me hate England because I was like, this is so unfair that you have all these excellent players, but also. That's a difficult group to break into and she's struggled to get that consistent game time. Do you think this is the season where she will be able to get a bit more of that game time or will that depth in United not serve her well? I think she'll do better than possibly she did for that year at Arsenal because that was a real struggle. Yeah, it was because last season she did get quite a lot of game time, but it wasn't sort of until the back end of last season where she really found some good form. And I thought she was going to sneak into the World Cup squad just because... Kind of, I think from around March onwards, she was just playing really, really well. Um, and I remember when she got subbed off in the FA Cup final, it, you know, it took all the kind of momentum off United. She was playing so well and causing so many problems for Chelsea. But like, I think if she can just, she can keep this form that she's got right now. It's about keeping her place because, like you said, they've got that depth. So it's not easy at all to keep her place in this United team this season. Um, so that's kind of like goal number one I guess for her and then if she can do that and if she can keep producing the form that she's producing right now then you know I guess England can't ignore her in a way but it's just kind of yeah like you said with the players that I just reeled off it's where does she fit because Mm. somebody's gonna have to come out and you know do you have that eye on the future bringing in a 22 year old instead of a 29 year old it's a it's a very I mean it's a good selection today because the cliche isn't there for Serena Vigman Mm. It is also the side as well that Vigman doesn't like changing up her squads or her teams all that much. So that's probably going to be difficult for Paris as well in terms of convincing her that she deserves that spot. Yeah, and it's a tricky one because like I brought in the piece, like she brings something completely different to the table in terms of like how how much she runs and how much she presses and 
like in the Euros, the way that Beeman will bring her on right towards the end of games to see them out. Um, you know, they might, especially when this Nation League campaign progresses and England need results to get the goals that they want, whether that's qualification for Team GB, trying to win the Nations League title, if they can get to that point, and you need somebody to kind of bring on and close the game out, then Nikita Paris is a fantastic person to do that. And, you know, if she can keep up that form and Vigman thinks, right, we're, you know, we've got some really tight games coming up. Who can we bring in that's a really experienced player that can help us, you know, win these games? And maybe she does look to Paris, but it's just such a competitive department in those forward areas for England right now. Yeah, I am very envious, I have to say. Um, although one Ireland player who is scoring very well at the moment is Katie McCabe. A uh, little bit of a nervy one at the weekend. They won 2-1 in the end, but it was kind of thanks to those two goals from Katie McCabe and very nice goals they were indeed. It's nice to see Miedema back as well. She only came on in injury time, so it wasn't a massive showing, but there was a little glimmer of that pass to Beth Mead and I didn't want to get my hopes up, but I was like, if we could have a little bit of that this season, I think this Arsenal team could really do with it. Yeah, and I mean, Katie McCabe was outstanding in that game. She was, I was thinking about it when I was watching it. It was like, something that she's done quite a lot over the past few years, that kind of development to just being like a clutch player, like the way that she kind of just steps up in the big moments, whether it's a club and country. When you look at the team on the pitch and Katie McCabe's on there and that team needs somebody to step up with a winning goal or, you know, a big moment, Katie McCabe's one of the first people that you look at as somebody that can do that. Like just the way that she's developed into that sort of match-winning character over the last two years has been like outstanding. And I think that this was a another prime example of just how good she is at kind of grabbing a game by the scuff of the neck almost and being like, I'm going to win this game and I'll win it now sort of thing. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's one of the things I enjoyed about covering the World Cup and over in Australia because obviously as an Ireland fan and an Arsenal fan, you try to, when you're talking about these things, you try and like keep yourself on an even keel as much as possible but even like talking to Irish fans I think people are always curious to hear what other people think of her because we're like we know she's brilliant and then I think because of that Ireland stuff and maybe like obviously we're not one of the top teams in the world when it comes to an international setting because of that sometimes she gets slightly overlooked for how influential she is and I don't know did they actually realize how much she drags us by the scruff of her neck. I mean, if she could have single-handedly taken us out of that World Cup group, I think she would have. And she tried her absolute best to do it. So it's interesting seeing her this season. Well, I suppose it's from last season, but getting the Ballon d'Or nomination. And it's like, okay, the rest of the world sees it too. We're not just like making it up in our heads that she is actually one of the best players out there at the moment. I think it's the stuff that doesn't make the highlights reels as well that is so impressive. Like just... You know, obviously she she took the armband for Arsenal towards the back end of last season to kind of guide them through that injury crisis and just how consistent she is and how you always know you're going to get like a 7 out of 10 performance and just, you know, whether it's, you know, left wing, right wing, left back, whatever it might be, she just kind of shows up, does her job absolutely brilliantly and, you know, probably wins you a match. And, yeah, it's, sometimes it's does, you know, like the two goals she scored at the weekend, but sometimes it's just kind of the consistency in her defending and, you know, her her leadership and her guidance that, you know, also deserves a lot of credit. 
Yeah, I was chatting to Izzy Atkinson today uh, ahead of the Ireland game on Friday. And obviously she's kind of competing with Katie for the same position in the Ireland squad. And we were saying, they were like, do you ever kind of begrudge her a little bit or begrudge that you're coming through at a time when like one of the best players in your position in the world is? And she was like, you know what? No, like I'm learning stuff. Katie won't be there forever. So I'll be well prepared to step in anytime I'm needed. So that was good attitude from her. One quick one, so we're nearly out of time. Did Nuskin deserve to get the goal or did it deflect enough that you think it was an uh, own goal? <laughs> well, I always think a, a hat-trick sounds sexier than an own goal, so I'm going to go towards hat-trick. <laughs> I back that. I back that. <laughs> Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. The Koigig Pod on Off the Ball is brought to you by Cabri, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. Obviously, we are going into the international break, so Karen and I will be bringing you all the latest about how Ireland fare against Albania. Sadly, we will not be making the track over there. I looked it up and it was going to take about 14 hours and cost about 800 euros. So sadly, that will not be happening. But we will definitely be there in Tala on Friday. So if anyone's listening and sees us around the place, please do come say hello. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do so on Twitter at the Koi Gig Pod. Uh, we always love to hear what you guys are thinking. Thank you very much for listening. The Koi Gig Pod on Off the Ball in association with Cadbury, official snack partner of the Republic of Ireland women's national team.